Hey, y'all, if you're enjoying this podcast, take two seconds, send it to five friends. Um, Some of the top episodes would be the self-confidence, masculinity, and the Byron Rogers podcast if you want to send uh, some of the top ones to them. Otherwise, just take 30 seconds and review it on whatever podcast uh, application you use, whether it be Spotify, YouTube, Google, iTunes, Amazon, any of them. Thank you. Today's podcast is brought to you by AssaultLimited.com. Even when you aren't saying anything, you're saying something. Let your gear say the right thing for you. That's where Assault Limited comes in. Assault Limited offers tactical versions of things you use every day. The Assault Pen is a great quality, intimidating looking pen with a pinpoint tip used for self-defense or to break glass. The Assault Spork has so many different tactical uses, we only have time to highlight a few. It's a spoon, a fork, a wrench, a carabiner, and a bottle opener. The possibilities are endless. The Assault Pencils and the Assault Straws, well, they both look pretty badass and they both tell political correctness to take a long jump off a short bridge when you need things and you want them to be the best quality while issuing a statement to anyone else who sees look at assaultlimited.com also sponsoring today's podcast is urban savage urbnsvg.com the best quality apparel available american made t-shirts and sweatshirts that fit great with the quality that will outlast the creepy battery bunny The Date Night Tee, which is the badass's version of the subtle embroidered logo t-shirt that so many of us grew up with. And the hats are 100% American made, not just embroidered here like so many others. Ooh, and those sweatshirts are so damn comfy. The next time you're thinking about scoring a new piece of gear, remember to check out urbnsvg.com. Last but not least, today's podcast is brought to you by A3 Body Protectant. A3 was designed when Martin noticed that Hawaiian surfers who spend their entire lives in the sun had radiant, healthy skin. After plenty of awkward questions about how seriously they take their skin care, he learned the secrets. Hawaii's best kit secret is now available at A3Equip.com. That's A3EQUIP.com. A3 is a truly natural cream that can be used as a skin lotion, a lip balm, a hair conditioner, honestly, anywhere you want to keep moist and healthy get yours today at a3equip.com all doctors to the er do these guys have any idea what they are talking about talking about talking about get squared away spiritual get squared away emotional get squared away mental get squared away physical the podcast that'll help you get squared away am i on you we are both on everyone is on dang both of us and our i guess i counter ego alter egos i don't know i was trying to think of something funny but i couldn't think of anything funny to say dang. so welcome back from your day break yeah yeah it was it was it was pretty <laughs> crazy um so I told you I had that conversation yesterday with the unknown, unnamed source. We won't uh, disclose who it was, but this guy was at a pretty high up meeting of minds and talked to a scientist that traced COVID back to the actual like patient zero yeah. with like 45 pages of documents backing backing up his trace back to one 23 year old woman that worked in a weaponized bio lab that was on the other side of the train station from the wet markets. Yeah. So, I I mean, and I know it's, I know it's kind of like, it's kind of been opened up now that it was a, a lab leak. Right. But like, it was so funny because originally that was what it was said to be. And then all of a sudden the news media is like, no way this is, you know, hocus pocus this is right wing talk blah 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 and then uh now you got these people and this guy is not political at all literally just a scientist that that traced it all the way back to patient zero basically and on the other side of and that train station that she would have ridden every day right is an international goes to an international airport so people would have been riding that train to get to the international airport to go all over the world yeah no kidding So yeah, not to not to dig deeper into into COVID talk like we always freaking do, but hey, we we took a break for a we few weeks. We did. So. We didn't talk. And now, I mean, it sounds like the CDC is taking a break, right? From what you told me. <laughs> yeah, I got the uh, this right in front of me. So CDC decided to streamline the guidelines, or let me put in air quotes, uh, streamline. So in support, this update that CDC put out is uh, to continue promoting 
importance of being up to date with vaccination and protect people against serious illness, yada, yada, yada. So everything now is just a recommendation. So it's recommended that if you test positive, that you should isolate from others or you should stay home for five, at least five days and isolate from others in your home. Recommended. You are most likely infectious during the first five days. Wear a high quality mask when you must be around others at home and in public. So if you test positive now. So if you must be in public. You can wear a mask while you're infected. So um, if after five days you're fever free for 24 hours without the use of medication and your symptoms are improving, you may end the isolation after day five. Regardless of when you end isolation, avoid being around people who are more likely to get very sick from COVID-19 until at least day 11. You should wear a high quality mask through day 10. Recommending if you had moderate illness or you're ho- or if you experience shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, yada, 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 you were hospitalized during COVID, your weakened immune system, you need to isolate through day 10. Recommended. So if you work with a bunch of fat people, you shouldn't go to work. What they're saying. Yeah, because you don't know. You don't know who's compromised, do you? No, I mean, and that's, I guess it's not just fat people. That's me being a dick, but I'm, I was a fat guy, so it's okay. I get to talk like that. <laughs> so with HIPAA, I mean, you can't really be asking people, I mean, if they have compromised immune systems. So what does that say? So I don't, we don't need to get into this right now, but when I started looking into HIPAA, um, HIPAA is more for patient doctor confidentiality than it is necessarily like work employee confidentiality like they can ask you from what i gather because like i was looking up when it when this whole vaccine stuff started right like i was like every other freaking individual asshole i was like oh they can't even ask me if what my vaccine status is because of hipaa that's not the case so there's something more there with the HIPAA laws, but who gives a shit? Whatever. COVID's over. It's dead. Let's move on. Yeah. So everything's recommended. So basically when I look at the update, it's basically if you got the flu, this is what they recommend and this is it. So that makes sense. I mean, that's, it's brutal though. What had happened in the last couple of years, all the losses people have incurred and all the bullshit that went on. And now this is what it comes down to. Well, I mean, so devil's advocate though if this was a catalyst for a great reset now the reset has been set the extreme measure right because whenever you're going to change people's habits good for good or bad right so i always talk to people that want to know how to lose weight want to know how to get in shape they want to know how to change their habits the best time to change your habits is around some any sort of extreme event because it basically resets your entire system and gives you a basis to rebuild all these habits so, I mean, that was that was the basis. That was the extreme event. And now the the mental attitude has been shifted and here we move forward. Yep. Some of us haven't changed their uh, insight and, you know, actions. Yeah. But people like you and me are not the not the average bear. I mean, we're trying. Right. Like, that's our goal here. We're going to change the fucking world with this podcast. One person at a time, inspiring individuals to look at themselves and build themselves up. But right now, that's a few thousand people. So that's yeah. not hundreds of thousands or millions of people. Yeah, I mean, it's just I got in a conversation last night basically talking about, you know, a lot of this stuff should be seen. I mean, a lot of this stuff, it's like there's go to what's happening now in our economy, what's happening in our country, foreign policy. There's only about 30% that really agree with it. Hey, we just passed an anti-inflation bill through Congress. Yeah, we, we passed an anti-inflation bill by printing more money. Did you know that you cannot spend your way out of a spending problem? No. Weird. Really? Right? Right. No, I think this uh, this administration is just going to town. I mean, they are just throwing money at everything. And they're padding their little pockets and padding the DNC. So it's it's pure. It's either pure greed. It's not stupidity. It's got to be. It's got to be. It cannot be pure stupidity. There's got to be something behind it. I mean, obviously, they're padding their pockets. Obviously, they were bankrupt, you know, during the Obama years. And now they got money coming out of. Their, yeah, know, it's it's I don't know, man. It's weird, like to think that somebody would be that 
not not an individual, but a group of people. But then you look at like mob mentality, right? Like, is this just a mental or a a group version of mod mentality, right? Like a, 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 a political version of mob mentality where it's like, I'm not going to be the one to step back and call bullshit. I'm not going to be the one to stop. Like, right. Mob mentality is a real thing. We've seen it happen. People, they start acting as a mob and it's almost like all common sense and common courtesy goes out the window. I mean, oh, yeah. good people trample other people and end up killing them in, in a mob mentality kind of rule. Right. And is that this, but on a political stage? I don't know. I, I think there's just so much corruption that has gone so deep that when the Trump administration, and generally when you go administration to administration, a lot of times they clean house, right? And the problem is they they did not. And there's a, uh, a seventh floor rule in the in FBI, right? So when a new administration comes in, basically they need to just clear out because it could form basically some uh, you know some internal issues with people basically being playing partisan and doing pushing actions that are absolutely partisan. That's against the current administration. So, but problem is Trump didn't do that. And sure, it's nice on his part, but so but you we set talked, yourself up. So we talked about Crenshaw's comment and what the what the Democrats are doing by basically saying this Republican candidate is too cool, right? Like we talked about that two weeks yeah, ago. Funding they're the millions too, of dollars. Yeah, they're, in too, there. they're too awesome. They're too extreme, right? Do you think that that was the mentality behind the Mar-a-Lago raid? I think the Miralago, I think there's going to be more coming out of it. I think there's a reason why that they didn't allow his lawyers or other staff to be there while they're doing the search. I am curious if they feel more comfortable. They know they're fucked, right? They know they're fucked in two years. Like they're very well aware, I think. Are they? Yeah, I think they are. But I think that they know that any sort of moderate Republican candidate that gets through is going to just sweep them under the rug, whereas an extreme candidate like Trump does not get a lot of the middle voters. And it also stigmatizes or instigates the Democratic base to come out and vote because they hate him so much. So I think they want him to run. I think the Democrats want Trump to run next next election cycle because they 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 know to themselves. Right. I don't know, but they know that they can beat him. So you're, what they you're saying with, is they beat him with fucking Biden. So what you're saying is that they're propagating enough dirt on Trump leading up to 2024 that they hope he runs that way. What whoever goes up against him has a better chance. No, 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 no. I think that they are they're they're poking him. They're poking him with these little things to to instigate him to to battle his ego so that he wants to run even worse. And so people look and go, yeah, Trump should run because the Democrats don't want him to run. But really, they do. I don't know. I think his son, Donald Trump Jr., needs to sit down and talk to his father and say, "This your, your best plan here is not to run. But don't announce it until right up until, you know, everybody starts campaigning hard. And then next thing you know, you get to create a dark horse. I mean, DeSantis isn't really a dark horse, but it'll buy some time so that, you know, you're just playing cover and sucking up all that media energy so that. I don't know if he has control of his ego enough to do that. You don't think so? I don't think so. I think there's a point where he's got to. I mean, he's what? How old? 78? Yeah. 80? Something like that. There's got to be some point he's got to realistically look at it as like, hey. No, I think you have to be you have to be a self-realizing realizing person to do that. And he is not. I don't know. He is not. So Don Jr., hopefully, uh, you know, he listened to this podcast at some point and uh, talk some sense into your pops. Yeah, I mean, I just I think he can run interference and that'd be awesome. And that'll set up the next candidate. But at this point, I mean, there's. You know, he's become a divisive figure absolute Not. worst case scenario is he gets pissed at the Republican party and runs independent. Yeah. But then now you're worst case scenario. Cause yeah. he'll split the vote. Yeah. Yep. 
A lot of the libertarians are uh, voting for this. Uh, got this other dude's name, Dave Smith. Okay. So, I don't know. Somehow you got to win those guys over. Well, the good thing with libertarians is generally after primaries, they will vote still and vote more Republican because the basis of the Republican Party, even though they're just as much of a shitty big government party as the Democrats are. The basis is kind of staying out of business, out of their business. And that's what a libertarian wants. Stay the yeah. fuck out of my business. Yep. I agree with that. Um, did you see? Oh, no, I told you about it already. But if you, you guys have got to watch this Woodstock 99 documentary on Netflix talking about mob rule made me think of it. <laughs> I was a junior in high school, I think, in 1999. And I don't remember any of this, but we're in Wisconsin. So not, the news doesn't necessarily travel that far all the time. But this concert was an absolute shit show. I mean, you had two guys, the original Woodstock founder. I don't remember what his name was. And then basically just a big business promoter. And all they wanted to do is profit on this, this whole venture of Woodstock 99. So they brought in the biggest bands and didn't actually think through what this was going to be. So we're talking, we had bands like Corn, Limp Bizkit. Rage Against the Machine. Metallica. Like, was Metallica there? Yeah. Okay. Creed. Kid um, Rock. All Yeah, Kid Rock. All these bands that bring in this damaged element, this angry element, right? Like, it's angry music. It is. I loved it when I was younger, too. I listened to it at the gym. Like, yeah. But it's, a, you think about the crowd at, uh, you know, I don't even know who was at original Woodstock 69, Jimi Hendrix. You think of a Jimi Hendrix crowd and, uh, you know, Limp Bizkit crowd. And right. show me the difference, right? So they bring in. They got the happy pot smokers versus the angry pot smokers. Yeah. And then to profit on this thing, they sold all the rights to sell all the shit, right? So they sold the rights to sell the food. They sold the rights to sell the water. They, they farmed out the maintenance. They farmed out the sewage treatment. They farmed out the water. They farmed out all this shit because they were literally just looking to profit. Well, then all of a sudden you get 250 or 300,000 people in a small area and you took all their water. The drinking water that you're supplying for them is bad. Nobody is coming to clean out the toilets. And by the middle of the second day, actually by the beginning of the second day, the place is just a shit show. I mean, an absolute shit show. Nobody would go in the toilets. Nobody had any water to drink. Bottled <laughs> water was $4 a bottle. And it was people were getting pissed, just totally pissed. And then the angry element starts to come out. And it's this this kind of like wave of mob. And then by the end of day three, which is Sunday, they're just they're they're rioting. They're basically rioting. They burn this fucking place down. I mean, they burn the whole thing to the ground. Wow. State troopers had to come in. With, you know, squad patrol and riot patrol and riot gear and they got four wheelers and they're taking people in and dude, it was a mess. And these two guys, this is, you know, 20 years later and these two guys, these two promoters are still completely oblivious to the reasons behind the fucking mess. They're still like to this day, they're like, yeah, yeah, they're like, you know, it was just a. It was a small group of bad people that were causing this. It was like took zero responsibility for just fucking these kids over $150 a ticket, 250,000 people. And you and they got nothing from it other than the bands. Yeah, I'm looking at this uh, in the Wikipedia online. Yeah, Yeah. it's it's wild, man. Sounds like, uh, you know, one of my favorite songs, man. Break stuff from Limp Bizkit. And, and they're like, uh, violence and vandalism occurred during the night performance by Limp Bizkit, especially during the song Break Stuff. Well, and it's funny <laughs> because the the one promoter, the main promoter who who was the big money guy, w- w- like blamed it on Fred Durst. Oh, really? Like blamed it on Fred Durst for like eliciting the crowd. But it's cool because there's a few. Damn, just knocked my mic. There's a few like really good journalists that were there and they kind of explain it. And the one guy's like, you could kind of see that Fred knew he had this crowd. He was like a, he was like a puppet master with this crowd and he, and he could just get them to kind of go. And you could see right before break stuff, you could see kind of his good, his, his good angel on one shoulder telling him like, 
we need to calm the crowd down. This could get dangerous. And then you could see the bad. And he's just kind of looking at the crowd, just just feeding it in. And there's a great there's a great shot in this documentary where you just see Fred. And then all of a sudden he just goes in to break stuff. And it's just like the whole crowd just loses their shit. And they're tearing the wood off of the tower and climbing the fucking sound tower. And the security guys have to like get the other security guys out of the sound tower because it's basically an island in the middle of a hundred thousand people right yeah so it's it's a really good documentary like i every once in a while you come across one of those that you haven't heard anything about and you just flicked it on for no reason and you're like oh yeah that's that was good very well done crazy but yeah i suppose it's only 17 minutes do we 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 usually uh don't get into our actual topic yet but i think it's probably a good idea if we do it's a tough one today. An odd one. Oh, it's in my sent email, not in my regular email. And this one was kind of this one was kind of rough to flush out because what I really wanted to do with this week's podcast is I wanted to I wanted to bring up some stuff and talk about some stuff that on average a good amount of people deal with, but nobody really wants to talk about because men especially are awful at talking about their struggles, their, their weaknesses, their vulnerabilities. And just knowing that there's a lot of other people out there going through the same shit or have gone through the same shit, right? Because there's a lot of archetypal, there's a lot of archetypal adversity that you go through at certain times in your life that pretty much everybody goes through. You know, um, so the the first one, the first one I have is kind of one of the one of the first big steps from going from from a son or a child to a to a human is the day that you realize that your your mentor or your father is really just a human. And a story comes to mind of a friend of mine who grew up with kind of his dad as his as his everything and he looked to his dad for for knowledge and he looks to his dad for for kind of inspiration and motivation and kind of like he was his rock right and that's how he explains it and he went to go buy a house and i think he needed his dad to co-sign for his house something like this and the lender called him and he was like hey um your dad can't co-sign for you cuz his credit is fucked and he used that language right but yeah and and for him that was this that was this eye opening moment like oh like he's just a he's just a human that has flaws that isn't perfect, you know? And for some, for a lot of people that happens young, you know, it happens in their teenage years, but for some people it doesn't happen until 20, 25, 30 years old, you know? And that's a, that's a, that's a big moment kind of realizing that the people that you look, look up to are just, just human. Yeah. I think sometimes, uh, children look at their, and even as they get older, they look at their uh, parents, especially their father, as this invincible, you know, guy that was always there. There was always the uh, the money tree. There was always the food tree. Everything was was there, but they don't realize. And I saw the best illustration for this. Some of you have probably seen it. Is it's a picture of a father kneeling, protecting his child, and then as you look at the backside of the father, the father's got all these arrows, you know, stuck in his back. So it just shows that, you know, a lot of times the father who doesn't get to, you know, men today don't get to talk at all. And um, I think that's a shame. And part of that has to do with the, you know, the attack on masculinity. And a lot of times fathers don't get that time to talk and they don't, people don't realize that they have to make sacrifices. And a lot of times that paycheck may not cover everything. so. Know in that case that you're talking about, yeah, maybe he he still supplied for his family, but may have had to ruin his credit in the process. Yeah, and 
and not even and sacrifices right this is another this is another one that that nobody talks about but just the sacrifice of your your dreams when other people count on you for their food and their shelter and their 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 living right and it, that sounds shitty to say but if for the for a lot of guys that's reality they're in a job that they fucking don't like but they're doing it to provide for their family and for those guys they can either talk about it and not necessarily commiserate about it but just be able to be open about it and they can find the significance in yeah they might not like what they do but it does provide for their family and that is the significant part of it being able to raise your kids being able to pay the bills being able to put food in their mouths and pay for them to go to soccer practice or hockey practice right but if they can't talk about it it's like anything else if you don't talk about it that resentment builds like i can't tell you how many times me or my wife have had something that pissed us off, right? And you don't, you don't bring it up because it's just easier not to talk about it. But the longer that you don't talk about it, the more that fucking resentment just builds up. And it's not on purpose. You're not trying to, to do it. But man, if right. you don't bring it up, that shit just grows and it grows and it grows. And she's, you know, she, she looks at her phone once and you're like, I fucking knew it, you know, or whatever, like this, this, this. She doesn't spend any time doing anything other than on her phone. But you've, you've been home for fucking 10 minutes. You have no idea what she did the rest of the fucking day. But there's this resentment. Yeah. But you talk about it. And a half hour later, everything is fine. Fine. Yeah. Because you got it out. And that's like, that's like with men needing to have their people. Needing to have their group, right? Like, I don't give a fuck. You, you want to talk to me about football, fantasy football. Like, whatever. I'll listen. But man, the people that I'm drawn to are real people, the people that that talk to me about real shit, the people that, you know, when I ask them how they're doing, they're they're honest. Yeah, yeah. I'm, doing, I'm doing good, man, but I'm struggling over here. You know, how are you? And that real real recognizes real. Yeah. Authenticity. Yeah. About, you know, getting squared away and. Uh, the uh, part of the podcast you haven't heard yet, so I do cover of, you know, surrounding yourself with iron. So. Um, when that comes out, and you'll be able to hear it. Oh, there you go. I'll listen to it while I'm editing it today. Yeah, or tomorrow. But but there, to put it in perspective, I mean, there's a comedian Steve Burns out there who uh, had this little clip, and this little clip was about difference between males and females. Is when you know, and a lot of this is traditional, and a lot of this is still happening nowadays. You know, a lot of males, boys, when they grow up, what do they want to be? They want to be sports stars, right? And they want to be, you know, either firemen, policemen, or, or whatever. They got big dreams, right? They want to drive this car. They want to do that. And what do a lot of uh, females, little girls, grow up in what they want to do? They want to play house, right? They want to have a family. They want to have kids. You know, um, they want to have a nice house, white picket fence, right? So, and they like to have a little ring as they get older. They want a certain, some people want a certain ring. I had a buddy that just... Got out of a relationship and then this guy wanted him basically, uh, you know, 20K ring was the limit, was the uh, minimum. Minimum. Well, you know, it's supposed to be like so many months of your salary. Either or. That's bullshit. You know, That's bullshit. I'm, I'm fucking around. I, I remember when I'm I heard more that. Like, yeah, if they're happy with, uh, you know, getting something out of the, the 25 cent machine, hey, you know what? <laughs> then you'll spend a little more. But besides that fact, so the, the little clip he's like, is like, boys have these dreams, women have these dreams. And as you get older, you know, you always see men, you know, in their offices or whatever, when they're at home, they'll take that basketball shot with something in the garbage can and all of a sudden they'll shoot it in the garbage can. They'll celebrate after, right? They're like, yeah, because that's their little, you know, that's a little piece of their dream, you know, their old sports star dream, but we don't get that. And this is just, you know, all in fun. He's like, you know, but men don't get that. But women, when you get married. They get the house, they get the kids, and they get the playhouse. So they're living their dreams. And meanwhile, men are sitting in this corner 
wishing and they're like, oh, they're looking at all these sports cars driving by. They're looking at um, all these NBA and NFL stars. And they're like, oh, if only, if only it could be. And then they go to work in third shift or do whatnot and they come home tired. And so men don't get to live their dreams, but, you know, women do. So that's just part of the clip. So I'm not saying anything against anybody. So. And that's that's a weird thing. I'm I'm in the middle of this book, Passages by Gail something or other. And it it covers kind of the archetypal passages that you go through as you age. You know, the specifics that come for some people, they're 20, for some people, they're 30, for some people, they're 50, you know, and it's it's kind of the covers the midlife crisis. Oh, yeah. It covers midlife crisis. It covers all, you know, all the, the passages from, you know, from having the children in the house to like you both to kind of rally around to all of a sudden children are gone and you both have to like figure out if you even need to be partners anymore or, you know, it covers everything basically. But one of the things she talks about is like that, that dream that you're talking about. And those dreams are not necessarily ingrained. They are, they are sort of societally put on men and societally put on women. But it's really damaging for women when they ignore those dreams and get that kind of, you know, a lot of times it's a first daughter. It's an oldest daughter. When the first child is a daughter, the dad kind of raises her a lot like a boy, like like his boy. And it's it's very archetypal, not always, but a lot of times. Or like a princess, maybe? No, no, no. First daughters generally, and this is all generalizations, right? Okay. But they're, they're raised kind of like a, they're raised kind of like a son and they're, they're more, their dreams are more closely related to the father and the male and that type of stuff. So they're very like business oriented and stuff like that. But when that kind of proverbial clock starts to tick and they do start to get that itch that is in their DNA because of their hormones and because of their genetics they have this internal battle and this internal struggle of like, well, do I want kids? Well, I want kids, but I don't want kids, you know? And, 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 and she talks about that and it's a really interesting thought process for that. We would never have, right? Like you and I would never have that thought process because we're able to have both, you know? Yeah, I guess so. I was so. still stuck on the kids thing. Cause my, well, my oldest daughter is not my oldest kid. And that, see, that's so my different. Oldest is, yeah, I have an oldest son. So, yeah. Because I'm like, man, I treat yeah. my oldest daughter like a little princess. Yeah. So. A lot of times, it's, it's, it's the first, when the first child is a girl is when it happens. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But yeah. So, um, just men's mental health really is kind of where that one goes. Just being able to openly talk with people, right? Like, and it'll catch people off guard. You start to talk to them about real shit. And some people don't want to talk about real shit. They just oh, yeah. don't. They want to ignore it. They want, they don't, they don't want you to hold up the mirror and they don't want to hold up your mirror. Yeah. Well, it's a level of openness. You got to surround yourself with people that are willing to be open about it. Um, the search for external gratification is unsustainable. Right. That one. Thank God I learned earlier. Um, I think a lot of people don't learn that until it's too late because they did not achieve a level of ability to gain external gratification until yeah. they're older. And then they realize that it comes and it goes and it doesn't actually make you feel good long term. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh shit, I'm 50 and I've lived 30 years of my adult life searching for more pussy, more money, more cars, more clothes, more watches, more guns, more whatever, more likes, more likes, more everything. Um, and that's when that boulder hits them right in the fucking face that yeah. They spent all that time searching for something that's useless, not useless, but useless as far as internal grad or internal, you know, self-assuredness. Yeah. And to me, sometimes it seems like it's a, 
I don't know, a person's level of maturity because there's a difference between fulfillment and a fix. And when I just look at people that are hung up online about getting likes, you know, and it's sometimes it's people that I tell all the time, but there, it just seems like they keep going back to it just to get validation about the things that they do on everyday level. And, um, it's a, it's a dopamine fix. Social media triggers that dopamine. hundred percent. And they just can't help it. So that's why it's, you know, we, we, we know friends that, I mean, money and material things, their validation because everybody can see it and it's pretty plain as day. But when some people, sometimes it's a little bit under the radar where it's just, it's constantly fixed to go back to social media and to just lop on the likes. Do you think having notifications off would help those people? No. You don't think so? You think they look at that number no matter what? No, because I see uh, immediately what what happens. If, there's, if they're transitioning into doing one thing to another, what's the first thing they do? They pick up their phone. And the first thing they do, pick up their phone, boom, they hit right on social media. And you can just literally see the person stand there. And if you're in the middle of a conversation, they'll, boom, cut out. And they, and they black you out. They're still looking at the last 20 minutes worth of updates, even though it didn't vibrate in their yeah. fucking hand or and whatever. It, and it literally seems like they don't even realize that they're doing it. It's, it's become such a habit, such yeah. a fix. Yeah. Yeah. I'm guilty of the tuning out. Like I'll be in, in I, mid conversation. Uh, sometimes like not on purpose, but you'll be like, and it'll be one of those things where like, I'm, I was reading about something and then somebody started a conversation with me Oh, and it's there. Right. And I'm having the conversation, but then I say my piece. And then when they go to say their piece, I keep reading. Like it's just a, it's a bad thing that happens sometimes. And okay. my wife will even call me out on it. She'll be like, Hey, look at me. Now let's have the conversation. Oh, okay. Right. Sounds good. So that's a little different. It is a little different, but uh, look at it. I don't look at that as addictive behavior. That I've seen them like drug addicts, but when you're in the middle of a conversation and somebody all of a sudden you can tell you see their eyeball look down and then they'll grab that phone, right? And then they'll pick it up. And all of a sudden you see the death scroll start going on. Yeah. And it's uh it, it reminds me all too much of, of an addict. I had uh had an amazing conversation the other day with a gentleman who was extremely successful, extremely successful early 2000s sold all of his businesses or I don't even know what he, I don't even know what he did. It might've been real estate and uh, moved to Florida. He was, you know, 50, 55 years old. And a few years in to being, you know, basically quote unquote retired. He, he realized that being more successful than he could ever guess and being able to buy whatever the hell he wanted did nothing for him. And that was when he figured out that he needed to then transition from that success to significance. And it was that, and the way that he told me, he's like, I spent my whole life chasing my goals and yeah, it made me successful, but it didn't make me happy. And then I started figuring out how to help other people. And that's when he started to feel fulfilled. Yeah. And I wish, I just wish that everybody out there that has that, that urge that needs, that needs financial success to feel like they are somebody. I wish, I wish them as soon as possible to get to that point so that they can realize that it's not going to do what they think it's going to do. And then they can start living their life because I don't want, I don't want someone to hit. 50 and their kids are 20 and they go, Oh fuck. I spent the most important years of the most important people in my life's development worrying about my own shit. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what we talk about in this last podcast that you're going to, you know, hear soon is one of the, the main phrases that I wanted people to get out of it is, uh, you know, living life, being squared away is not about thinking less of yourself. So being hum, stay humble 
is one of the the five tenets we talk about. So staying humble. One of the portions under staying humble is, you know, you don't have to think less of yourself to be humble, but you have to um, think of yourself or not less of yourself, but think of yourself less and find ways to serve. Because when you serve, you stop thinking about what you need. You stop thinking about, oh, I need to you know, rack up. I need to have this vehicle. I need to make sure it's shined up, you know, every week so that when I drive down Main Street, everybody's looking, right? So, you know, you think less about your own identity and you start realizing that when you put into other people, when you put into, um, like, like for me, it was getting into boards to help these groups because it's easy to just go and help, you know, put some food on somebody's plate. It's kind of cool and you get home and you feel good about it. But there's a lot of behind the scenes that uh, there's a lot of nonprofits out there. If any of you are, you know, looking for some, just DM me. There's a lot of positions that are wide open because those aren't the fun jobs. The fun, the fun jobs are just having fun. And you see all these people doing these charity events. The events are fun. Planning the event sucks ass, but they need people to do that. Oh, planning. I wonder how that event that we talked about at the Moon Pond went. Moon, the uh, one that we talked about with Christine. Oh yeah, I don't know. I I didn't. I had it on my calendar, but to me, it was just it's the should, the finances. The, we should reach out to her and ask yeah. her how it went. I'm sure she was there. Financial structure didn't make sense unless you're bringing donors there. Yeah, but what do you have for the donors? Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Anyways, uh-huh. um, yeah. So I just wish I wish for all of my friends that are in that place to get there so that they realize that it's not the end all be all um oh the thinking the grass is greener on the other side this this uh this comes to relationships this comes to jobs this comes to cities that you live in this one works in so many different ways but we have and this one kind of goes along with the external validation too but let's just use like relationships as an example, right? If we are in a relationship and all we focus on is our partner's negatives, it's really, really easy to look at someone else's highlight reel and think that they're awesome. You know, yeah. like the office wife, the gym wife, the waitress at the gas station or waitress at the gas station the uh the waitress at the restaurant or the coffee shop right like gas stations you go yeah yeah no shit right that's old school um but you you see these people's highlight reel and you only get the best of them because they're not being real with you and they're not telling you they're trash and they're not showing you their weaknesses and their true selves they're literally just you get the best and then you give them your best and then you go home to your spouse and focus on their fucking worst parts of them. And you just, it just, it's a like a never ending ball of shit that just keeps rolling downhill. You should be the best you for you and try to love the best parts of them. And if it's a good relationship, it's a good relationship and all relationships are tough. And maybe that's where I'm coming from with this one is like all relationships have bad times. All relationships are hard, right? Like they all go through struggles. And a lot of times we don't talk about that shit. We don't talk about our struggles. We don't talk about our hardships. And then you see people and they're like, Oh God, your guys's relationship is great. And you want to just be like, Ooh, let me tell you some shit. You know, like you just want to like, paint a wall with all the trash that you've gone through and all the shit that you've done to each other and all of the realizations that you came to. Um, but we don't do that. We don't have those conversations. Yeah. We don't post that either. Imagine imagine if people posted their trash, what kind of, so what social media look like? Oh my God, it would be great. Well, so there, there is my, uh, there's my trash. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if, if you actually talked about all of that shit, right? Like, or if we had my, if we had my, uh, my neural link that posts your, your trueness, your truthful level 
tells you that you're full of shit, right? So you've got couple A that's on vacation and fucking hates each other because they've been in a car for 21 hours and finally just got to the beach and they parents are going to get divorced when they get home and they want to strangle their kids and their kids are being assholes. But then they post pictures of their feet in the sand, right? Like, oh, oh yeah, in the sand. And then all of a sudden on that, it just blinks like these people hate each other. They're going to they're going to explode <laughs> like uh, that. Would now, be now you've expanded to the social media Neuralink. Yeah, I'm, I'm building this bitch someday. And, you know, for those that aren't in relationships or, you know, uh, I got buddies that were using online dating. I mean, that that's I hate that because everybody's putting out the best front and people can put up a front for a couple of years. I don't know how much longer, but, you know, at some point, at some point, their their baseline, what comes out of their heart has to get exposed. Right. I don't blame the online dating for that. I think that online dating is just like you can fish in a little bitty pond or you can fish in a big pond. But if you got a fucked up fishing pole and some fucked up bait, it doesn't matter if you're fishing in a little pond or a big pond, you're still going to catch fucked up fish. So I'm blaming it on the bait and the pole and the person, not the online dating. I don't know, but if a person has a genuine uh, profile, right, they could get, what, catfished or they could basically, you know, somebody could put up a front too and be like, oh, wow, this meshes together. Yeah, I but don't when know you how that meet, shit works. Yeah, but when you meet somebody, you know, you're, or you're completely oblivious to human contact, right? Like, Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I'm only, like, I'm not, I'm not on it, but no, I, I, I got friends that are on it that, it's like, man, they've, this is, they're on like four or five strikes and it's always like, yes, but what are nine, these friends? Nine yes. to 10 months later. Yes. But what are these friends picking for? What are drawing these friends to the people that they are picking? That's going to happen whether you're dating in real life or you're dating on online. Yeah. I, I don't know how you know, online you know what I mean go. though. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, that person has a faulty choice in partner, whether it's in person or it's or or it's online. Yeah. So if you're going if you're talking about bait, that means they need to go back and think about, OK, well, this these are my boundaries. And these are my standards and then they need to abide by that. Yeah. But problem is when you get, you know, pee whipped by just a. Appearance alone. So that right there is a, that's a human that needs to work on themselves first. Yeah. Right. Don't let that emotion just right? take like over. Like that, that person has a lot of growth to do before they're, they need to be a very good, comfortable, um, half before another half can come in. Yeah. Like, because the, the stool is only strong, as strong as its weakest leg, you know, yeah. and the relationship is only as strong as its weakest person and if you are and you know my daughter's going through this right now at at 18 years old like thank god she figured out now hopefully it's hopefully it's finally figured out she lived out all her taylor swift fantasies burning a bunch of shit yesterday so she's good (laughs) but tell her she needs a white panel van we'll take care of that right well and my thing is so that Originally, when all this shit started happening, we're at 45 minutes already, so this will have to be a quick story. When originally, when all this shit started happening, that was my first instinct as a father, right? Make this fucking twat disappear. Yeah. But that then never allows her to learn the lesson. She doesn't get to learn it. She doesn't end up coming to grips with reality and learning that you can't let someone treat you like shit and you have to listen to your gut like those things never happen because then you create this romeo and juliet syndrome yeah what would happen if they got married that's trouble right like no babies no felonies and no weddings before Mm -hmm. 27 that's what i'm that's my goals those are my goals as a parent no basically no lasting unturnbackable decisions so you would have intervened by that point i don't know I would hope so. Okay. Or I, or, or tried to figure out how to intervene, but also have her learn the lesson. I'm very much, I very much try to be a, 
a guide as a parent, especially as the, as, as she got older and as my younger one grows, try to try to guide. If you think about it, like, like, uh, like skiing. And I like to use this analogy all the time, but when you're downhill skiing, downhill snow skiing, like you're really just kind of controlling chaos. Like if, if something all of a sudden stepped out in front of you, you're not stopping, Like you can't just immediately stop. It's a 30 feet to stop. Yeah. You're just controlling the descent. You're controlling the chaos. And that's kind of, that's growing. That's parenting. That's spiritual mentoring. You're just controlling the chaos. Like they have to learn how to steer with life and avoid obstacles and grow and evolve. But you just got to kind of keep them away from the trees that are going to kill them. You know? Yeah. So they don't sunny bono themselves. Yeah. We don't need any sunny bonoing. Oh, um, becoming aware of your own ego. You remember when you finally saw your own ego? You remember that day? Remember many days, many days. Yeah. And it, it, yeah. you know, I just, I can think of, I can't think of a specific day, but I can think of the first time that I said something like I needed to get my, my, I not even my idea, but like somebody knew something and I knew something also. And I had, and the, the first day that I was aware that I was aware that I did that, that I needed my voice to also talk about whatever this other person was talking about. That was the first day that I was like consciously aware of like, Oh, you cunty ego. You didn't add anything. You just had to get your part out there to make sure that they knew (laughs) that you had something to talk about. And everybody does that. Everybody does it. Yeah. But, but the first day that I was aware that I did it and I could watch myself do it and I called myself out as a bitch right inside my head. That was the first day that I was like, oh, consciously aware of my ego. Like, oh, because we all have them. We do. Oh, yeah. And then and then once you're aware of your own ego, you start to recognize it in other people. You know, you start to recognize when somebody's talking to you and then they're all of a sudden like, oh, and then I, you know, and then I went on this five mile hike. You know, nobody else could go on it because they're all, you know, they were all tired. But I went on this five mile hike. Yeah. To say that you went on a five mile hike is not egotistical, but to say that nobody else could and you could. That's when it's like, oh, there's there's your ego showing a little bit. Right. A little soapbox. Yeah. We talked about that in the last podcast. So oh, okay. it'll be good for you. Good, 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 good. <laughs> I think sometimes having kids is your biggest ego check because uh, kids are pretty raw and honest. And having four kids, uh, yeah, those times where I became aware of my ego, sometimes my kids uh, kick me in the nuts on that one. So. I want to make sure that we get the last one in because I think this is extremely important. And then if we got extra time after, after this one, we'll go back to the other two. But, um, as men, we are so scared to be vulnerable. We are so scared to reach out to people and just tell them how we're fucking a mess or how we're hurt or how we're unhappy with something. We're so scared. Yeah. We're so unable to to be real and we're that way we're that way with our friends we're that way with our spouses you know we don't i try to tell my kids about my fuck-ups right like and that's hard some of the bad ones easy ones oh yeah i did this and i hurt myself no no no. but the real hard ones where you like you damaged people you know you did something that hurt other people badly and you have to not explain it away. You have to, you have to explain to them that like that, that line of good and evil runs between everyone and the, the evil one that time. And I, and, you know, and I did this and I learned my lesson from it. And I want you to know that for multiple reasons, right? I want you to know that if you do something like that, like you can come back from it and it's okay. It's not detrimental to, to life. But also so that you realize that other people can be like that. And you are, are watching out for yourself, especially with daughters. You know, like I know how shitty of a fucking 18 year old kid I was, you know? Yeah. I was just going to say that. It's like, uh, I swear my older kids especially turned out the way that they've turned out. Um, and all the good stuff is from doing the opposite of what I did. So, you know, thank God for my ex who probably brought up all the bad things that I did. Yeah. And guess what? It, it worked. So, oh, man. But for men, 
I mean, there is a reason why there's such a staggering number um, between the sexes. Males are predominantly higher in suicide rate than females because they're just, um, it's like some of you guys that I, I've talked to is just, you feel like there's nowhere to go. You feel like there's no one to talk to, you know, and I, I've been in relationships where I couldn't talk about a lot of the, the pain I went through or you have even been told that, oh, you'll, you, you'll get over it. Oh, that's not really anything. And men just get pushed in the corner. So like you said, if you can find, or like we talked about in the last podcast, sharpening iron, if you can find the iron in your life that you can talk to, that you can be open about your failures and your struggles, that helps. Otherwise, guess what? A lot of men do. We lay in bed at night, you wake up at two in the morning, and all of a sudden your mind starts racing, right? And you feel like you got nowhere to go, no one to talk to. So it's what we talked about. Uh, last one is about 3 a.m. friends. You got to figure out who your 3 a.m. friends that are the real authentic friends or your 6 p.m. friends that you're, you know, you can go to dinner or drinks with. You really need to figure that out. And stop numbing the pain because that is the other part of Talk suicide. Um, I think everybody numbs in their own way. I think that it turns into a lot of the, the vices, right? The numbing. It could be the distractions. Like, yeah. Social media. And just, just social media, sex, alcohol. A lot of times alcohol, because alcohol kind of dro- drops those inhibitions and, you know, you get home from a hard day and you're not necessarily in the best relationship or the best place in your life. And it's a lot easier to just drink it away than it is to actually deal with the fucking mess that you have going on. But it's still there the next day. Oh yeah. Um, gambling, you know, it, it. Everybody has their their choice, their drug of choice per se. You know, the the dopamine, epinephrine, neuroepinephrine, serotonin hits. Oh yeah. Amazon packages every day. Oh, Amazon packages. Give yourself every surprises. Day. That's exciting. <laughs> Is it? I, it was so, so funny. My daughter. My daughter's just like my wife. It's so funny. If like, if my wife's like, Hey, can you put that away? And I literally don't do it in five minutes. She's like, ah, she just does it. Like she, and it's one of those things where I'm like, I would have done it. She's like, well, you weren't doing it. So I did it. So they got school supplies and my wife put all the bags in my daughter's room. And she's like, I don't want those in here. And she's like, I'll, I think she said like, okay, I'll come take care of them, you know, next week or something. And she didn't. So my daughter brought them all back down and put them on the counter. She's nine. She Ooh. put them on the fucking kitchen counter. My wife didn't know she put them there. So she came downstairs and she thought I had gone to Target and bought four bags worth of shit. Mind you, I have no idea what I would buy at Target oh, to fill yeah. four bags worth of shit. And she got this like excited look on her face that I went to Target and bought shit. Oh, really? And then she looked into the bag and it was school supplies. And she was just like, womp, womp, womp. Oh, boy. <laughs> it was so funny. But yeah, that they're just like, oh, if you didn't do it, I'll do it. Um. Learning to say no, doing less, and just closing doors, right? Like, it was really hard. I don't know why it was so hard, but I had a photo booth rental company that I started, man, I think it was 10 years ago-ish, and it was really successful. I had two booths the first few years. I mean, we ran two booths like 30, 40 weekends uh, a, a year. Well, it was busy. Um, and then it kind of slowly tapered off after that because my wife got pregnant and then I had a friend that was doing it, but I wanted it to make sense for them to be spending their entire Saturday night. So I probably way overpaid them, you know, and it just kind of slow. It slowly died off. Plus, I'm sure just photo booths got less cool at weddings because that's what it was. It was almost all weddings did some corporate events, but it was almost all weddings. So I'm sure it just got less cool, you know, but. As, as that kind of slowly tapered off, I never just pulled the trigger. I never just shut it down. It would just be like year after year of doing taxes and it would just be less and renew the websites. And towards the end, it was like the amount that I was spending just to renew the websites was barely getting paid for with the amount of work, but it was, I was just doing it. And then finally COVID like forced me 
to just stop because nobody's having weddings. So I just stopped and I let the domains expire and everything stopped. And then finally I did the final tax form where it's like you close, you do the close of year tax form and it, then you never have to do taxes for that, you know, EIN number again. Yeah. But it was like, why did I drag that on for five years longer than it ever needed to be or three years longer than it ever needed to be? I was just like, I, I refused to close it. I refused to just close that door. Like what? I was just randomly going to start it up again. No. Oh, yeah. But being able to just close those doors and say like, all right, that's done. That's done. Or, yeah, that's a great business idea, but I'm not interested in helping you. Yeah. No, that totally makes sense. Any type of business or even relationships, toxic relationships. Oh, yeah. You know, friendships and romantic relationships, both. Right. Yeah. Because you have to look at, okay, what, what adds to your life? Somebody adds to your life or they're constantly subtracting from your life. And that's the only way you got to look at it. Yeah. Doesn't mean that you can't go for drinks with, you know, with some people that may subtract from your life, but I wouldn't put them as your 3 a.m. Uh, but then why waste your time? And, and why waste your time is right. Like, what do you get from that? And some people really need that. They need that. They need that, 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 what is it? Steam blowing off. Is it, are they extroverts and they need that fuel, you know, right? Cause they fuel up in groups of people. I don't know. Everybody's got their own thing, but if they're doing it for the right reasons and it's fine, I guess, but yeah, I still understand that how you can fuel up if you're in with a bunch of uh, duds. So again, we talked about that in that last podcast. Maybe about because you're, maybe because you're, feather. maybe because you have an external mo an external locust of control and you are, that that's the wrong use of that. So don't even use that in this terminology, but locus you extra, yeah, the external locus of control is a real thing, but that's not this, what I'm going to say right now. Maybe you judge yourself externally versus the comparison of other people. So if you're in a group of duds, you look like a really cool dude. Oh, <laughs> yes. You know, right. It's like, kind of like the like, big dude and a little guy in the gym. Yeah. Or like the medium <laughs> or like the, the sevens that hang out with a bunch of threes oh. just to look way hotter. Yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. And her net a long time. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the last one I got is come to grips with your own flaws, your own shortcomings. Um, and then I have my example here for me. It is. I know that in the situation my self-control is not going to kick in so if we have junk food in our house i might not eat it today at noon but i might at two or i might at four or i might tomorrow morning right so like no because you're an all or nothing guy because i i just i know that i my self-control comes in in engineering my situations not to be in a bad not to be in a poor situation you know like i don't put myself in situations where i could you know pull the trigger or not or i don't i i wouldn't go to a i wouldn't go on a vacation to a casino cuz i'm in a casino i'm going to gamble and i'm not even a big gambler okay. but like i'm going to i'm going to i'm going to gamble i'm going to go into that crowd i'm going to live that life because i'm in a fucking casino i'm walking through it you know and it's just that's where my self-control is if i'm you know at a party resort in mexico i'm probably gonna party like it's just it's just that that i just i know myself and that's where my self-control comes in it's just not putting myself in those situations yeah not having the shit in the house not staying at a casino not you know not hanging out with 10 dudes that literally just get hammered every weekend. Cause if I'm with a bunch of dudes that get hammered every weekend, I might not get annihilated, but I'm going to drink probably too much and it's going to be too often, uh, you know? Yeah. No. Yeah. There's different people that handle it differently, but all, and, and that, that was just my example of like coming to grips with your shortcomings, being able to realize what you're not good at. Because we all we're all like the we're all the main character in our own story, right? Like we all think that we're awesome. Sometimes. Sometimes. <laughs> oh, I always tell people uh, I like to wake up in the morning and think that, okay, you're you're the you're the worst father in the world. Boom. Now you start a new day and now here's how you work to be better. 
or, you know, you're the worst worker in, in that team. So, or in my business, I'm the leader. So I'd have to be the worst leader in my group. So what do I need to do to be better that day? So that every day, by the end of the day, I'm at least 1% better than I was in the, the day before. But for me, I do a lot of self-talk. So I'm not an environment guy. So a lot of times if the shit's in front of me, I have to self-talk my way out of it. So pretty much it goes in steps. Gotcha. So. Yeah. And you're aware of that. Yeah. But if neither of us were aware of those things, we wouldn't be getting ourselves out of those situations because we wouldn't understand how our brains work. Right. But if there's a really good Dutch apple pie, I can self-talk my way into justifying it. You like Dutch ovens? Is that what you're saying? Apple pie. Oh, Dutch apple pie, <laughs> not Dutch ovens. Gotcha. Girls out there, Martin likes Dutch ovens, just so you know. <laughs> yeah, you're sick. All right, that's a wrap. All right, man. <laughs>